Here's, here's kind of how the world works, and, and I think we all realize this possibly intuitively. Sometimes we don't realize it, but it plays out in our life anyway. We act. We act. Whatever it is. We take action. We do things. Whatever. We act. People see us, and then they treat us. We act. They see us. They treat us. And what, that, what it really means is we are going to live in this world. We're going to act in certain ways. People are going to see how we act, and they're going to treat us in a way that corresponds to what they think about what we do. And so when we are with people around us, what we're looking for is that people would treat us in two different ways. Number one, with safety, provision, and acceptance. And so in this world, we, we go around asking the question, how do you see me? How do you see me? How do you see me? Because we want to ask the follow-up question, if you see me a certain way, how are you going to treat me? How do you see me? Because I want to know, how, do you, how are you going to treat me? And I want to be treated, and you want to be treated well. And so we ask the question, how do you see me? Because we know, we know that the way somebody sees us impacts the way they're going to treat us. We have, we have some basic needs as human beings. We have some needs that regardless of socioeconomic status, regardless of culture you grow up in, regardless of what part of the world, regardless of how your, how your family was, regardless of anything, we have some basic needs that we just feel. We can't always put words to them, but we feel them. We need safety. We need the basic safety, the basic necessities of life. We need to physically be okay. We need provision. We need to know that there'll be a roof over our head, food to eat, and, and that we're not going to be attacked and so we need that physical safety and, we, and everything that goes along with feeling physically safe. And so the way that translates in today's world for us, you know, most of us don't have to worry about food in the pantry. And so the food aspect isn't really a big aspect for us. For us, we want to see long-term safety, long-term provision. And so the person who has food in their refrigerator, food in their cabinets, food in their pantry, all those different things like that is now wired to think, okay, but, but if things keep going the way they're going, am I going to have an abundance of food five years from now? Or when I hit my 70s, am I able to stop working and have food all the way through that time frame? So even, even if we have our basic needs met today, there's still part of us that longs for the confidence that we're going to have our physical needs met even down the road. So are we, are we safe? And then the, the, the second need that I would say is a foundational basic need is are we accepted? Are we apart? We are built to be in relationship. We are built to be a part of a community. God wired us in such a way that we want to feel apart. But the way, the way those two questions or those needs translate can turn into some very, very big fears. And so, so one, way, one way that people enter into the world now is they ask the question when they enter into relationships, will you hurt me or neglect me? Like, am, am, I, am I setting myself up to be hurt? Am I setting myself up to be neglected? And so we, we're a little bit tentative because when we have basic needs that don't go met, we start learning that we could enter into relationships where we might get hurt. We might be neglected. And the second one in the area of acceptance, will you leave me or will you reject me? If, if you knew who I really was, are you going to leave me? Are you going to reject me? Everyone struggles with the question. Everyone, everyone struggles with the question, how do you see me? And some of us are acutely aware that we struggle with that question, and others are completely oblivious to the fact that that question goes on in their mind on a regular basis. Now, 
here's the question that we have to ask. If I want safety, if I want acceptance, if I want to be viewed a certain way, so I'll be treated a certain way, am I willing to do whatever it takes for you to see me the way I want you to see me so that you'll treat me the way I want you to treat me? When we, when we choose, when we choose to, to impress people, to gain esteem, to get acceptance over what is right, the, the Bible actually has a phrase that it uses to define what that actually is. It's the fear of man. The fear, the fear of man is, is something that's common to all of us, but it can it be summed up like this. I don't want you to hurt me. I don't want you to reject me. I, I want you to see me a certain way. And so if, if I want you to see me a certain way, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make you see me that way. And it translates to doing what's accepted as opposed to what is right. Doing, doing what is rewarded as opposed to what is best. Now, if, if we take a step aside and, and look at the lives of our teenagers and our, our kids, we know that where they're at right now is they're facing this battle of peer acceptance all day, every day. And we've talked about it in this group before, talked about it in other parenting circles. Like your, your kids are being held to a standard of acceptance that's different than what we grew up with because they're not trying to find acceptance simply on the teams that they're on, the classes that they're in or anything like that. They're trying to find acceptance in an ever-expanding social media world that's comprised of thousands and millions of teenagers. And so they, they have this weight of being accepted. You, you know, the goal, if you were to go down that hallway, I would say the goal of probably 15 to 20% of our girls is to be TikTok famous. Like, they, like it's their goal in life, primary goal. If, if, you, if you could have one thing right now in your life, what would you want? I'd want to be TikTok famous. Why? TikTok famous simply means you have a video on TikTok that has been seen by many, many, many people. Now, the threshold for what fame actually is, I don't know if it's 2,000 views, 20,000 views, or 2 million. I don't know what it is. I'm sure the definition's a little bit different for each student, but the reality is you will even see it on Wednesday nights up here. There are students who at, at the end of Collide on Wednesday nights get together to make their weekly TikTok video because they want to be TikTok famous. Now, most of the time, the videos that are filmed in this room are okay. I want you to know that. But I think we're all aware that there are videos that are filmed in other places that compromise what's best, that compromise what's right for the sake of acceptance, for the sake of esteem. And so we see that in the lives of our, of our students. And sometimes we approach it with a little bit of fear and hesitancy. What I would encourage in, in all of this, and one of the reasons we're diving into this topic, is that I, I would encourage all of us to approach it with articulation and conversation. Like we, we have to be conversant about what's really at play when we want to be TikTok famous or whatever it is. I think for, for me, um, the kind of the epitome of, of that acceptance of your peers at my high school was probably homecoming king or queen. I think that, that for us, like that was, that was it. Like there's nothing bigger there's no more, there, there's no bigger status item at, at my high school where I grew up at the time than being homecoming king or queen. But regardless, 
we live in this reality of the fear of man. The idea of compromising what's right for acceptance is a part of everyday life that we have to be aware of. Proverbs 29, 25. Proverbs 29, 25. says, the fear of mankind is a snare. The fear of mankind is a snare. But the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. Now, a snare is a basic trap, and, and one of my favorite shows to watch used to be um, Man vs. Wild with Bear Grylls. I, I thought he's incredible. Now, when I found out later on that all he does is stay in a hotel and then goes out and films different scenes, I was like, well, that's a little less impressive. Regardless, he goes out and he teaches basic survival skills. One of my favorite episodes that he does is he's in, he's in this place and he's trying to capture wild pigs. And so as he's trying to capture wild pigs, what, the trap he decides to use is a snare. It's this basic cord that's looped in a circle, kind of tied in a knot so that when somebody steps into it, it pulls tight and the harder the pig pulls on the trap, the more they get stuck. And so what he says is the basic, there's, there's two ways you can go about making a snare. One is you can put it in the path that they're going to walk through anyway and just make sure it's a little bit concealed where they can't see it. And so you know you know that pigs are going to walk through there because you, you can see where the grass, you can see their trail or whatever. You know they're going to walk through there on a regular basis. Your job is just to get the trap in a way that they can't really see it, but they're inadvertently going to step into it. I think for some of us, like in the idea of the fear of man, if the fear of man is a trap, we have to be aware that some of us may just not see it as a trap. We may not be aware that that's at play in our life. In fact, we may never even thought about the fact that, you know what, I made that decision for acceptance with those people. Like in my right mind, I would have never made that decision, but the reality was the influence that those people exert on me, the desire to be accepted or the desire to be safe or the desire to provide or the desire to whatever noble desire we have within us, it was only because of that desire and the influence that those people wield in my life that I made that decision. And in a vacuum by itself, I would not have made that decision. I only did it because of, of them. And so for some of us, we just don't realize that the fear of man is a trap in our life. But for others, the, the other way you can do it, now, now you can get those traps set out pretty easily in a survival situation. That way you just you string them up and you just set out as many as you can along the trail because you're just hoping to catch one or two. It doesn't matter. So you put out as many traps as you can. The other way, if you want to spend a little bit more time and resources, is if you make that trap not look like a trap. And, and for Bear Grylls, what that meant was baiting the trap. And so in the first scenario, you have the snare that's not baited. In the second scenario, you have the snare that is baited. And do you know what happens when you bait a trap? The victim looks at the trap and says, oh, that's actually a good thing. You see, when a, when a trap is baited, we look at it and we don't realize that death is impending. We look at it and we say, oh, that's good. I should go after it. That's, that's the nature of good bait in a trap, is that it actually draws you in. And so some of us have this, this wiring right now where we look, at, we look at the fear of mankind and we actually say, oh, that's a, that's a good thing. Like, I need that approval right now. I need that approval and that acceptance at all costs. I, I need that safety and security. And so we look at whatever that thing is that is really kind of rooted in the fear of man safety, security, and acceptance. And we say, no, no, the ends absolutely justify the means because it's a, it's a good thing. 
How in the world could I avoid that good thing? But if you live your life prioritizing the way people see you, if you live your life making decisions based on how people see you, you will end up prioritizing them at all costs, which means you're not living your life. They are. Because when the priorities are set by somebody and how they view you, it's their viewpoint that chooses how you act. Now, here's some areas where you may be concerned about how you look to others. One area would be finances. I was talking with some, well, I say some friends, some new people that I met. I went down to Jeans uh, Automotive Repair over off, I think, what, 21st Street or something like that on the east side of Georgetown. I thought I had some car issues, and one of the awesome parts about going to Jeans is they did like two minor tweaks and said, no, you didn't really have an issue. We just need to do this and this. Here are your keys and sent me on my way. I was like, oh, that's great. Didn't even charge me. And so there's my shout out to Jeans. And so I was at Jeans, though. I was at Jeans, and I, and I was talking to this guy who owns, owns a company. He, he rolls in with a very, very, very nice truck. I mean, it was superb. Absolutely loved it. It was a Ford F-250, Super Duty, Crew Cab, you know, all the stuff, all the leather, all those wonderful things. It was a wonderful-looking truck. And he was telling me about some of the people that he's, he's trying to hire, and he's struggling in this area right now. He said, because, because I'm trying to hire people in my age group that are coming from places like Dallas and, and places like that. And he says, the candidate that I get the most is the $30,000 millionaire. I'm like, well, tell me about the $30,000 millionaire. Well, this is the guy who makes $30,000 a year but tries to look like he's a millionaire. And so they buy the nicest suits, they lease the nicest cars because they're convinced that if they can convince enough people that they are rich, they'll become rich. And so they walk around trying to impress with finances they don't even have. And so one of the areas of life, one of the areas of life that I think we're all tempted to get acceptance, to get approval of others is in the area of our finances. Same thing in our education and profession. Now, if you're a nerd like me, then the education aspect is important. And you walk around and, and you're like, yeah, it, it's, it's fun to talk school because you love school. But that, that can turn. That can be something that, that goes very negative, especially in adulthood, where you actually, you pursue things like that and notoriety within, within your field just so people will look at you with approval. Same thing within jobs. There are people here, I guarantee you, in this room and in this congregation that are hesitant to say what their job is. Not because they don't like their job. Not because that job isn't providing for their family, but because when you say the title of that job, it just doesn't sound as good as the people around you. And so we, we know that, that sometimes we want to measure up in different ways. Some other areas about how we may be concerned that's probably common to all of us would be attractiveness and physical fitness. There's this idea that if we look good enough or if people, if we convince people that we're fit enough, that we have value, this is, this is kind of how Camp Gladiator works a little bit. If you can get enough people around each other looking at one another, working out together, it actually becomes a self-fulfilling thing. It's like, like, yeah, aren't we all in this together? Because don't we all want to get better every day? And that accountability actually kind of kicks in in the physical fitness. And, and it can be some really good things. I want to go back to the need for safety, the need for acceptance, these are base needs that we have. And so I, I don't want you to, to walk away from this thinking that, that safety and being a part of a peer group, a community, is a bad thing. 
The question is, are we willing to sacrifice what is right and what is best to accomplish those things? It takes a lot of confidence in God. It takes a lot of confidence in God to be rejected by people around you to do what's right. You look at the second half of that verse, 29, 25. The one who trusts in the Lord is protected. You see, Scripture does not say don't fear man for no reason. We're not instructed just to live free from the fear of man because we don't fear anyone. We live free from the fear of man because there's someone greater to fear. There's someone greater to try to impress. There's someone greater whose standards are more applicable and more important to our our lives than those people around us. And that's God himself who created us. And so next week, we're going to dive deep into what it means to actually fear God. And we're going to ask two questions. How does God see me? And how do I see God? But for today, we're just introducing the idea with asking the question, how do you see me? How does the fear of man impact my life? And so here are a few things to go through before you, you jump into your small groups. If, if you feel like you're living a life full of the fear of man, or if you ask the question, how do you see me way too often, here's three things to, to think through. Number one, admit it. Get, get real with God and with others you trust about how people have more influence in your life based on fear than you want them to. I think one of the, the realities that we have to address is if this is present in our life, we have to talk about it. We have to own it. We, we can't move past things that we don't own. And so admit it. Number two, seek to understand where this plays out. And then finally, commit to do what's right and what's best even when it's not accepted or rewarded. Many of us know what's right. The Lord has spoken to us, and he said, in your life right now, you know the right thing to do. But scripture is equally clear to know the right thing to do, but not do it, is sin. It's not inconsequential. There's a word for it. To know the right thing to do and not do it is Sin in opposition to God. So commit to do what's right and what's best even when it's not accepted or rewarded.